You know, many times in ministry, you believe that the Lord has spoken to your heart and this is what he wants you to do. And, and then, you know, you remember that nothing good comes from a man. And when you're walking around in Barbados and people are just blessed by what God is doing in their lives through this ministry, you're encouraged. You know, you know, when you travel many times and you're at the pastor's conference, a leadership conference, and people come and they go, this is transforming not just my life, but my church. It just gets you excited. When you realize from the materials that are written that people are able to therefore use the new Devo to be able to be blessed by it each and every day, you're encouraged. And I pray that that's what this ministry is to you, because that is what our heartbeat is as we power up for God's glory. So I pray that you would go to our website and become a Power Walk partner, to be a power partner with Power Walk. And that way, when you touch this ministry, you touch the lives of people. And that genuinely happens. And I pray that you would get engaged so that God continues to touch the world for his glory and his honor and impact churches that impact lives and communities. Thank you for listening. Thank you for allowing us to come into your home. I pray it continues to be a blessing to you. Thank you. But he has to receive who he is for worship to actually happen. That's why he starts there in this passage. And he says this in this passage. He says it right here. You go, to, go down to the bottom part of verse 4. He says, I'm the Lord God. And in verse 5 he says, but you shall seek the Lord. You shall seek him. It's purposeful. It's purposeful. This is what acceptable worship looks like. I want you to understand what God has to say because he's not saying that this should finish in the Old Testament. He says, keep doing this as long as you live on this earth. It continues from Old to New Testament. That's why some of the offerings in verse 6 is left out. Because some of those offerings don't tie into the New Testament. I don't know why we come to the New Testament and all we want to talk about is free will giving. He's telling us free will giving was something in the Old Testament. It's not something new in the New Testament. It's always been there. He is saying, seek me. Seek me. He says, now number one, in verse 4, he says, do not act like this. And then he compares do not act like this when he's saying, make it a habit forever and forever, the way it's written in the Hebrew text, make it a habit forever and forever and forever and forever to never do this act. Do not ever do this act. I'm a jealous God. My name is jealous. Don't go in that direction ever of ever making anything a bigger issue than me. Never. He says, I will never get it. I will never understand it. I will never accept it. But this is what I would accept if you seek me. In a seeking him is purposeful. It, it is not convenient. We want to seek God when it's convenient. He's saying, I'm not asking you for convenience because I'm Lord God. So, so I'm, since I'm Lord God, you seek me the way I tell you to. And that's why he's saying it here. Watch this carefully. He says, seek me. And I love this. Please let me get a little Hebrew on you here. Seek me is the same tense of do not act this way. In other words, forever and forever, the word is an imperfect tense, meaning forever and forever and forever. That's what imperfect tense means. And forever and forever, don't do this. But forever and forever and forever do this. Why is he saying that? If in our lives, if we don't make as an aggressive response against not doing something wrong, we will do something wrong. I, I, I like the way Paul tells Timothy. Timothy, if you want to deal with all this flesh you feel, run to righteousness. But if you feel all this flesh and you're just waiting for God to deliver you, you're going to be ran over by the flesh. You got to decide. It's, you know, it's funny in, um, in, in, in Psych 101, 
when, when I took it, I'm not as, I, I take what I can from psychology, but I believe in biblical counseling, but I take a little bit from what I need. I, I browse that where, where it doesn't violate the word of God. I get in trouble with neuthetic counseling on that one sentence. That, understand this is what they would say. If a child is not misbehaving really bad, well, they don't actually say it that way. Instead of whipping the child, that's, that's what their counseling loses me on. He says, instead of whipping the child, get the child options. So you're not telling the child, no, 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 no. You're just telling the child, here's another option. So the child learns to pick good options rather than keep putting negativity in the child's life. So that, that, that's their concept, right? There's something good to that concept, but, but it, they, and this is, this is the good in it. The good in it is God is saying, you're going into a land filled with idols, idols everywhere. So if you sit up in this land and you don't make an aggressive decision to not go direction and to go in this direction, guess where you're going to go? To that idol. Why? You go to a job, there's issues. You go to the house, there's issues. There, there, there are financial issues in front of you. There are health issues in front of you. There are baby situations on your job. There are baby situations at your house. There's all these different things taking place. There's, there's past experiences that make us depressed. There's past experiences that make us full of anxiety. There are past experiences that make us feel insecure at certain times. All these different things are taking place. So it's easy for us to become ourselves, to make ourselves a God. Where whatever I feel, that's the God that runs me today. I feel this way. Some people literally tell you, I do me. So a God for some people is not a thing or a job or a money. For some people, it's them. They're their own God. So when you, when you look at this, he's saying it's easy if you are in this polluted world of idolatry. Some of it is television. Some of us got flat screen, dry screen, flip screen, whatever. We got all this technology and we sit there and stare at it for 40 hours a week. There's just one time, clock how much television you look at. It got quiet. Okay? And how, compare how much television you do and God. Compare how much money you spend on technology and God. So he's saying it's easy, technology person, it's easy to go in that direction really fast if I'm not purposeful and going to another direction. Very easy. I have to aggressively make a decision to go in this direction or this would absorb me and God will become the enemy. That's why he's saying, don't act this way, but seek me. Hear what he's saying. Watch this carefully. Watch this carefully. He says, seek me. It's a well thought out decision. It is an, a, a decisive act. And that is focus on God. Don't forget those three things. It is a well thought out decision because it's got to be a place where he is. It is focus on obeying his will. And it is dominated by pleasing him. Now watch this carefully. Let's give, you know what? It wouldn't hurt you. If I get done, I get done. Look at Psalm 122.9. This is the base for where we're going. And I want you to see what the heartbeat of this church is about giving. There's just too much too many people talking about giving. And to me, they're going to compare the Old Testament to the New Testament. And they're going to fuss about the New Testament is over here. Like God is talking about. I mean, there was no, when, when there was no law, when there was no law, Abel and Cain gave. There was no law. 
The law came with Moses. And if it, I'm serious about this. If we had to give during the time of Moses, I believe we'll end up just like in Malachi was. And we'll talk about that. There was no law. Giving starts in Genesis 4. It's not new. Because it's respect. You can't say you love me and don't show respect for the fact you can't eat an animal if I didn't let one get pregnant. You cannot be on this earth if I didn't keep it spinning. Just talk to the folks in California right now. They prayed for rain. They got too much. But they couldn't get rain for years. So if they didn't have rain for years, they got to borrow water from somebody else just to eat. So no matter how much job you have, money you have, I have to send rain. You can't manufacture water. You're trying to tell me you can't give me respect and I sustain you? In Psalm 122, look down to verse 9. 122, verse 9. This is what he says. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. In other words, if you don't respect my house first, there ain't no good in this. You'll, you'll do well for a while, but don't last. People do rich and do well for a while, but they can't, it don't last. It don't last. Look at Psalm 127. He says this, unless the Lord builds your house, they that labor in vain who build it. Uh, it, it comes to emptiness. L look at Psalm 128 verse, verse 5. The Lord bless you from Zion. And may you see prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. He'll bless you from where? Zion. He doesn't bless you from the job. He doesn't bless you from your family. He only blesses you from his house. So if I have no respect for his house, the blessings don't continue because it is not good. It doesn't benefit you for a long time. He's focused on his house first, not your house first. So that's why when he, before he talks about giving, he talks about respect my house. You have to respect my house before we could talk about giving. And then he says this in verse 5, back to Deuteronomy chapter 12. Respect my house. Don't take it for granted. Don't come to my house in disrespect. Don't come in here telling me what you want. Give me respect by submitting to how I define what things are. That's why. That's why a preacher don't even have room. Uh, let's, since y'all miss Bible study, come on. Go to 2 Timothy. A preacher don't have any room for nothing. He doesn't give us any leeway in none of this. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. He doesn't give us any leeway. It's not like he comes to the preacher and he says to the preacher, okay, man, now that they come to my house, go ahead and do things the way you think is right. He doesn't do that. It's still my house. I don't care who I put in charge of it. I'm going to show you in this structure of this message that he would fire preachers. Whether, he, whether he, they believe they're fired or not, he will fire them because they don't do things his way. He would literally say in Malachi, I have fired you. So guess whose house that is? The pastor's house, not his house. I ain't going to heaven fired. I'd rather have two members doing it the right way 
that almost 3,000 people joined doing it their way. Look at verse 16. He says, all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. So that the man of God would be adequate, equipped for what? Are y'all reading it? What does it say? Every good work. Not some. Every is A. <laughs> okay? Every good work. There's no guesswork in the scriptures. None. When it comes to this church, there's no guesswork. And that's why he says back in Deuteronomy, this is how a worship is acceptable. When you want to have worship, it is not acceptable because it's convenient for you to go down the street and be in worship. It's not acceptable because you like the preacher. Not acceptable because you like the music at that church. It's not acceptable because you like how this, time, this worship service lasts this kind of time. I'm not trying to please you. This is about pleasing me. I've been taking care of you all week on Sunday morning. This is about me. Bible study is about me. It's not about you. People act like they're doing God a favor to come to church. God is doing the fact that I let you be alive to come to church. I did you a favor. Look at verse 5 of chapter 12 of Deuteronomy. But you shall seek the Lord at that place, at the place. Notice there's an article there, the place. Not seek the Lord at whatever place, the place. You shall seek the Lord. He says, because he's defined the place. Which the Lord your God will choose from all your tribes to establish his name there for his dwelling. Watch this carefully. To establish his name there for his dwelling. What is he talking about? He says, I need to establish my reputation there and the memory of who God is there. Oh, oh you're not with me. The reason why people could talk bad about God today, because his name has not been established. Established means it's so firm, a storm can't move it. So, so firm, COVID can't change it. It's so firm that no matter what goes on in the world, nothing can adjust it because it's established. I want my name to be established. What is the church? The church, he's the head of the church. The church is his body. He's the head of it and it's his body. The place that he's going to establish his name is in the church. You can see it in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 through verse 23. He says the only place, matter of fact, turn there. In Ephesians chapter 1, this is what he says. There is no other place that he's establishing his name but in the church. That's why Paul walked ministries is about the church. It's not going to be about whatever parachurch ministry stuff out here. This is where he establishes his name. Think of what happened, think of what happened in the other administration that makes people don't want nothing to do with church or Christ. Think about what the church did then. Think about what the church is doing now. That people will literally say, oh, football owns Sunday. Y'all don't own Sunday no more. We run Sunday. That's what the football people in the NFL believe. They run Sundays now. The church don't. Think about how much sports is now on Sunday. You just go to the parks. They're full of kids doing baseball and soccer. And, and church is not an option anymore. His name, his, his reputation has not been established. But you, you, you go to the Texan stadium and you say, the Texans, they have established their name in the city. 
People know their name. They have marketed themselves to death. So even though they keep losing, they still go to the stadium. Because they have established that that's their name, that's their team. Cowboys, the same way, they keep losing Super Bowls and put people on this. Oh, we got it this year. We got it this year. Everybody believes it. And they go to that church and worship it. Do it all the time. All the time. Because they have a name, a reputation. Where is God's name? Oh, who's Jesus? African Americans are now talking about Hebrew, Jewish, Jehovah, Israelite nation. That's ethnocentric. We need to get a religion that represents us. We got all of this going on now because we have polluted his name in his church. This is what he's saying in verse 22 of chapter 1. He says, and he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his head over all things. What? To work. Watch the preposition. What does he give himself head over to what? Come on now, y'all reading. To the church. The preposition says what? To the church. He says, if you kill the church, guess what? You have messed up his reputation. Period. He's not coming back to fix it. He's not going to adjust it for us. He's saying, if you kill my name, you come to heaven with the responsibility on you that you let my name become dirt. When I gave you 66 books to function from, 66 books, a Holy Spirit to illuminate the Bible, Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father. I've done all these things to make sure that you get to do it right, but you mess up my name. He says, I'm only giving my name to that. And then when it comes to the, the church, he's saying, no, 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 it goes to the world. Look at verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We want God to permeate our society, but we don't want to establish a place that respects his name. That's why he's saying the reason why people don't, everybody's going against the Jewish nation, they have walked away from the traditional focus from which God has called them to. And as a result of that, their backs are against the sea and everybody's trying to bomb them. You establish my reputation and you're going into the promised land, the giants are scared because my reputation came out of Egypt. My reputation came to the wilderness. My reputation is constantly before them. So these valid warriors, giants of the land, they are scared of me because of my reputation. Rahab gives her life to me because of my reputation. What do we have that happening now? It's not there. People talk bad about the church, not respectful. So therefore, Jesus' name is in the mud. That's why he says, seek me, and then I'll dwell there. I'll dwell there. Look at verse 6. There you shall bring your burnt offering. Now, folks, for all of you who are going to get mad about different things when it comes to this, I want to walk through this verse and I'm tempted to pick it up next week and just live in this verse. Because we could live in this verse to talk about tithing. Because he noticed he could have talked in this verse about the peace offering, the meal offering. He could have talked about all those things, the trespass offering, the sin offering. But he doesn't bring any of those up. Why? Because all of those are ceremonial offerings. And Jesus Christ is the lamb. And when Jesus Christ as a lamb died, he killed the ceremonial offerings because now he is the lamb. So he's not talking about the meal offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering. He's not talking about those offerings. He 
he only mentions the offerings that he knows will continue into the New Testament. That's the only ones he's talking about. So we can't just drop the Old Testament when it comes to offerings and bounce into the New Testament like all of a sudden we had free will offerings and that's all we need to talk about. No, 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 no. He mentions free will offerings when he's thinking about the New Testament. We need to stop this. Because anybody that really wants to study free will offerings, you will go back to tithing. Free will offerings, there is no 10%, there is no 20%, there's no 30%. It is giving out of your mind. You're not even thinking about your budget, your bills, no nothing. It's just giving. There's no number to it. So everybody wants to run the free will offering and keep saying, okay, let's study it for a minute. Let's see where we arrive for just a minute and see if you don't want to run back to tithing. So, so I, I want us to, you know, I want us to look at this verse next week. I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to stop. Because I know I'll keep you here for not an hour if I had a chance. There's only so much you could take in. Because I want us to walk through, once and for all, this whole issue of offering. What is he teaching about it? as to why we do it this way here. Because it is not a New Testament thing. Think about how many times he would talk about offerings in the New Testament compared to the Old. Why? Because he's already established what it is in the Old Testament. I don't have to repeat every last drop in the New Testament because I didn't cancel it in the Old Testament. We take this word old and we make everything in the Old Testament old. It doesn't mean old. Old Testament means that was an old covenant. I made a covenant with a nation. So now I'm coming into the New Testament because you are outside of that nation. You are Gentiles, not Jews. I made a covenant with them because they are Jews. But in the New Testament, since we are Gentiles, Gentiles and Jews and I'm incorporating the church I need to give you a new covenant in the Old Testament I dealt with the, the, their, their covenant attached to a lamb where you go to the temple and that's what you do in the New Testament you're going to the cross so since I'm going from a lamb and I became the lamb and we're going to a cross I got to give you a new covenant because now the old covenant attached to the lamb the new covenant is attached to the lamb that actually showed up and when the lamb showed up he died on Calvary's cross and forgave us of all of our sins and cleansed us from all unrighteousness. So when I come to the Old Testament, I got to deal with one nation. When I come to the New Testament, I'm dealing with the world. So that's why I'm for God so loved the world he gave. So that's the reason why I have a new covenant. But you can't get to the new covenant if you don't know the old covenant. Because in the old covenant, it tells you everything about me coming. It tells you I'm going to come in a donkey. I'm telling you you're going to come out and die. It's going to tell you how I'm going to be crucified. It's going to tell you how I'm going to work out my salvation and fair and trembling. So when I show up, you can look at me and say he is the Christ, the son of the living God. So you can't get to the New Testament without the Old Testament. You can't even learn how to worship me in the New Testament without the Old Testament. You can't learn nothing about me because all I'm doing, I come, I preach the Sermon on the Mount. When I preach the Sermon on the Mount, I'm telling you everything the Old Testament meant in the New Testament with the Sermon on the Mount. I didn't change anything. I didn't come to cancel the law. I came to fulfill the law. I came to do it inside of me. So how could you cancel the Old Testament and just dump it because there's a New Testament? You can't even figure out the New Testament without the Old Testament. I don't know why you make the Old Testament old. It's not old. It is a precursor to what comes. 
It tells us everything about what is to come. And it's tied it up in one person, Jesus the Christ. When Christ came, he didn't go to the temple as if the law went away, as the giving went away. Jesus Christ went to the temple and did exactly what the giving requirements were and sit at the temple looking at a woman that came with a mic to talk about worship when she arrived with a mic. He saw that as worship. He didn't see all the stuff going on in the temple as worship. He said it started right there in the Old Testament. It starts right here in the New Testament. He didn't cancel anything. He just built on it. That's why he's saying, if you can't accept that, the issue at hand is respect. Anybody that reads a book, don't cancel chapter 1 when they're in chapter 8. The only reason they understand chapter 8 is because they read chapter 1 through 7. So when people come to this whole issue of giving, we corrupt it. Pastors have done it. It's about this anniversary, that anniversary. Come to my church for three. That's why I don't get invited that much anymore. I'm not bringing living word for you to take money out of them. And then you, you give me a check and the church get money in. We didn't do, what, what is the purpose of it? Pastor Kenneth, man, it's just what we do. For what reason? I get money. They get tired because they got to go to work tomorrow. We keep them till 8 o'clock at night. And then they go to work tired, talking about they love Jesus but can't do what Jesus tells them to do because they're tired. So I go when there's a purpose. It's his place. He determines what happens in his place. It's his house. It's not my house. It's not your house. It's his house. And until that is respected and honored, worship can't even begin. Today, the issue for me that makes me passionate like this, God has lost respect. I remember growing up and seeing the preacher come at the house and just see how people respected that. I've seen people take cigarettes out their mouth, put it behind their hand, because behind their back, because the preacher. You say preacher today on a plane, you're a thief, a liar. I purposely say it. What do you do? Oh, I'm one of them preachers. Number one, the whole seat gets quiet. I get them five minutes and they're going to start talking. I got this down now. I get them five minutes. So I got five minutes to finish what I'm working on. How could y'all do that? Y'all telling them stories. Them stories are old. Hmm. They're old. What makes them old? This stuff happened 2,000 years ago. But it's still happening today. What do you mean it's still happening today? Um, everywhere. You want me to start? Because you're going to hear a sermon from a preacher you don't want to hear from. <laughs> so if it could be talked about 2,000 years ago and it's happening today, there got to be a God. Respect is gone. And that's why even after COVID, it's died down like it has. People are telling God where they're going to worship him and how they're going to worship him. And I keep telling y'all, he is a jealous God. Deny yourself, pick up the cross, and follow him. You know, there was a gentleman that came to work on my house. He, my dryer broke, and he came to work on my house, and it was nice when he was going out the door, and he says, you know, you don't know this, 
but your ministry on television changed my life. It is nice to, when we go to Africa, to see pastors just come and they are so engaged in what they're learning. It just empowers us that travel there. It's good to go to the Caribbean and see the difference that God has blessed us to be able to make as we contribute for God's glory to the many different things that are taking place. So folks, I pray that you will support this ministry. It goes towards ministry. And I pray that when you do so, you would see the impact that it's making on the lives of people. Look forward to your support. We need it. Thank you.